0: Thanks for listening to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. To hear more sermons and to find out more about our church, please visit sugarhillchurch.com. Today, we, uh, as Bobby mentioned earlier, we, we kick off this new series called, appropriately, The Bible. And, and the reason we're doing that is that tonight, the History Channel launches a mini-series entitled The Bible. And, and some of you are saying, well, there's no possible way. On cable television, I mean, it's not like the History Channel is known to be a bastion of conservatism, you know what I'm saying? Uh, and yet, the producers of this mini-series are Roma Downey and Mark Burnett, who have a fabulous Christian testimony, and I urge you to uh, gather together in homes, and if you don't have cable, find somebody who does. If you do have cable, make sure you DVR it and, and watch it with somebody. Um, and make sure you're part of that. Now, you're saying, well, Chuck, we're supposed to be back tonight, according to Bob, and you're telling me to watch TV. Well, it's amazing how this thing worked out. We're from 5.30 to 7, and this starts at 8. Isn't that odd how that works? So so in other words, be here at 5.30 and make sure, t- I promise you, if you miss tonight, you're going to hear people talking in the next month about tonight, and you're saying, "Why well, I really should have gone instead of sitting in my recliner, falling asleep, watching the end of the race. So come on. And be with us at 530. I, have y'all ever met Victor's parents? I don't think you ever have. Y'all stand up, wave to everybody. I know you hate this kind of stuff. Just, yeah. <laughs> Hello. We, we wanted Hector and Christy, but we really wanted them. So it was kind of a, you know, a great deal. And so twofer. So thank y'all for being here. We love you guys and welcome home. Uh, but be here tonight. How many of you know what an old fashioned pounding is? You know what a pounding is? Okay. Well, some of us are like, I don't, I don't know. Well, here's what you do. A pounding in the old days is when you had a new person come to town, you would bring a pound of food and you'd bring, you'd bring good stuff. Not like, Oh, empty my pantry time. It's, this is, this is good stuff. And so with Hector and Christy, they just closed on their house on Tuesday, moved into their house on Wednesday. Yeah. Isn't that good? I know it. That's amazing. We hadn't run them off yet. They're here. How cool is that? And, um, and so you come tonight and, and make them welcome. Ben, I promise you, you're going to be blown away just by the spirit of praise and worship tonight. The thing I'm most excited about is, um, uh, Mark Hall, who's been, uh, who's been Hector's mentor and friend and, uh, lead singer for Casting Crowns for years, has a special song he's singing for Hort Hector's ordination. It'll just bless you. I promise you. So I encourage you to be here tonight. We're going to have a great time together as a church family. But back to the Bible because that's what we're here for today. The Bible is, a, it's a story. When when, when you know, when I was raising my little girls, uh, Amy and Amelia, my, our favorite story was Winnie, Winnie the Pooh and the Pooh Sticks. Anybody know what Pooh Sticks are? Y'all just don't know what you're missing. Watch what happens when you play Pooh Sticks. Pooh and Tigger and everybody gets together and they go to one side of the bridge and they break sticks and they throw them in the water. And then they run to the other side of the bridge and watch the sticks float through. <laughs> I mean, it's like Call of War. I mean, it's just, it's, it's amazing how it'll captivate you to watch those sticks float. Back in the day before we had DVD, we had VHS. We exhausted that tape. And in our front yard was a little Creek and we had this drainage pipe in the Creek and rock walls on each side of the drainage pipe. And every time we watched it, me and the girls, we'd run down to the creek and we'd grab sticks and we'd break the sticks and we'd lean over on the edge, we'd throw them in. And then you know what we did? We'd run to the other side and guess what we did? We saw them come through. And every time my girls go, yeah! You know, they grew older and it wasn't like that anymore. But it was a story. It was part of our story. A.A. Milne created this story some 100 years ago of a bear who loved honey, who was filled with fluff, and the little boy whose name was Christopher Robin. And it was a story, and those stories went on and on, and we still tell them. Even today when we all get together, and even my oldest daughter with her little boy, she's already got a Winnie the Pooh in his room, and it's just like the greatest thing ever. And so someday I'm going to hold my little boy, and I'm going to bounce him on my knee, and I'm going to tell him about poo sticks. And someday we're going to throw sticks in the water, and we're going to run. Well, I'm not going to run, but I'm going to waddle back over, and (laughs) we're going to watch those sticks come through because it's a story. It's a story. The Bible is a story. It's a story of God's amazing and redemptive love for you. Now, here's what happened, though. I mean, it's rather amazing. I mean, everybody's got a story, and God wants us to weave into our life story, his story, so that they become one. And along the way, what happened in the middle of creating this story is God created man and woman, and man and woman in the form of Adam and Eve, they only had one thing they had to do, don't eat from that tree. But what did they do? Ooh, yum. And they did, and they took a bite, and all of a sudden, sin entered our world. And when sin entered our world, all of a sudden, we had this problem in that God is holy and perfect, and all of a sudden, mankind was not. And the rest of the Bible tells the story of his redemptive plan to make us right with him. Are you with me? Okay, now, in that story, we find story after story about people. And if we're not careful here in 2013, we will think those stories are about those people. But at the end of the day, today's story is about a man by the name of Abraham and a young boy by the name of Isaac. And this story is truly about us. It's a story of when God says to Abraham, I want you to take your one and only precious darling son, Isaac, And I want you to use him as an offering, a sacrifice. In those days, because sin had entered the world, the only way that you could approach God and to find, are you ready for this word, atonement, forgiveness, washing away of your sin was to take an unblemished animal and you would bind that animal and you'd slaughter that animal and you'd place that animal on a fire and you would offer that up to God, as sacrifice, as atonement, as payment for your sin. If you're with me, nod your head. If you're saying, I don't get it, nod your head this way. Okay, I got about a third of you. So so all of a sudden, the Bible tells the story of Abraham and Sarah, Who, and ha- you notice I'm from Georgia. It's not Sarah, it's Sarah. And so Abraham, he was from southern Jerusalem, and Abraham and Sarah, they could not have children, or as we say in our house, children. And so God says to Abraham and Sarah, who are old as dirt, you're gonna have a boy. Get out of here. Really? Yeah, but I'm old as dirt. I know, how cool is that? You've been asking for it. I'm gonna deliver and it's great. Yes, and now Isaac has grown a little older and God says to Abraham, Okay, I want you to gather wood and your boy Isaac and I want you to go up on Mount Moriah and there I'm going to ask you to, as your sacrifice, as your atonement, I'm going to ask you to bind your son Isaac and then lay him on the altar, take your knife and plunge it into the one thing you love the most and then offer him as a sacrifice and Abraham acts on that and all of a sudden it's not just the story of Abraham and Sarah and Isaac it is the story of me and you because what we find is that you and I live this story through the lens and the eyes of Isaac. Miss Andy we often teach the story through the through the lens of Abraham do we not? About how his faithfulness and what it took for him to sacrifice and give the one thing he loved so much his boy, the thing he prayed for forever. The one thing that, Lord, not that, but that's the one thing God said, I want. Now, I want you to watch this. It wasn't that God wanted Abraham to kill his son. He wanted to know that there was nothing that separated Abraham from his God. And he said, I want you to offer the one thing you love the most. And what did Abraham do? He grabbed the sticks and the fire and he took his boy and he went upon the mount. And hence the story is known as the binding of Isaac, found in the 22nd chapter of the first book of the Bible in Genesis. Tonight, when you watch this miniseries, you'll see this clip. Guys, would you run this? And you get to see the rest of this story. So how many of you want to watch it now? Yeah. That's how we'll approach it today in this living our life through the eyes of Isaac. Recognizing, first and foremost, our life is an uncertain journey. We we don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't know what the next hour holds. In Genesis chapter 22, beginning in the first verse, Scripture says, sometime later God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. Take your son, your only son. Yes, Isaac, whom you love so much and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. Now, it's important for you to stop right there for a minute and recognize, take your son, your only son, which is exactly what God did. Take his son, his only son. And he says to Abraham, Take him to the mountain. And the next morning in verse 3, Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him along with his son Isaac. (coughs) Excuse me. Then he chopped wood for a fire for a burnt offering and set out for the place God had told him about. And on the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey Abraham told the servants, "'And the boy and I will travel a little further. We will worship there, and then we will come right back.'" So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders while he himself carried the fire and the knife. And as the two of them walked on together, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, "'Father, yes, my son,' Abraham replied. "'We have the fire and the wood,' the boy said, "'but where is the sheep for the burnt offering?' And in verse 8, Abraham makes this beautiful statement. God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son. And they both walked on together. Now, one day, Isaac's dad tells him they're going on a trip, a father-son trip to Mount Moriah. And, and, and along the way, the Bible doesn't tell us how much Isaac knew, but we, we're pretty certain by the time Abraham started binding up his arms and laying him on the altar, Isaac is thinking, wait a minute, this isn't good. I, I'm the sacrifice. Dad, how could... You, I know you love me, Dad. How could this be? Which brings me to the second reason we're much like Isaac, and that is our death is certain. Isaac's death was certain. Abraham had him lied out, laid out there on the altar. There he was ready with a knife in his hand, and all he was ready to do was be obedient to God. Now, I want to be real clear here because I think most of us in the American church right now, when we hear this story about Abraham, our first thought is this. How could a loving God ask a man who is a friend of God to take his only son and cause him to become that sacrifice? That does, that, Chuck, I can't reconcile that. Okay, as, as, that is perfect. That is perfect. I'm not going to take a show of hands here to figure out how many of you felt that way, but there's a part of me that feels that way. There's a part of me that would say, how could a loving God ask a friend of God to take his one and only son and lay him on an altar and cause his death when he could have had a sacrifice? Until I begin to understand the rest of the story. You see, the rest of the Bible in this redemption story gives us this picture, and I don't miss this. If indeed you and I are Isaac in this story, then death is certain. We are bound and we are tied and we are chained to our sin. When sin entered this world, it has yet to leave. We, by our nature, we choose to disobey God. And in doing so, there's a separation between us and there must be some atonement. There must be be some payment. There must be something that happens. The Bible says that there can be no forgiveness of sins without the shedding of blood. I've had people ask me sometimes, well, couldn't, couldn't Jesus have just broken his arm for me? No, because without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And so all of a sudden, Isaac becomes us. We need a sacrifice. Without a sacrifice, we are dead in our trespasses. We are dead in our sin. And one thing I know about all of us, we are all, 100% of us, we're going to die. And if we die and we are separated from God, then we're separated from God forever because as Abraham was taking Isaac up there, he was simply obeying what God said. Now, it's important to recognize Abraham wasn't a bad daddy. Abraham was a wonderful daddy. Abraham was a father among fathers. And one of the reasons he was is because even the love for his children surpassed only by the love for his God. You know, in our society today, we'd rather be at our kids' ballgame than be in the house of God. In our society today, we'd rather travel with travel ball and be with our kids on Sunday than to make sure they hear the Word of God. You say, Chuck, are you opposed to those things? Of course I'm not. Listen, I've done them too. What I'd say to you then is, at some point, there's got to be a balance in that scale where God becomes the place in which he has his rightful throne in your home and in your rightful place as a dad and with your children. Abraham came along, and here's what he said, nothing... Is between me and my God, and I hate this. I don't want to do this. I love you, Isaac. And then what does he say to Isaac? He says, God will provide. Look in verse 9, and we see that our death is certain. When they arrived at the place where God had told him to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. Then he tied his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood, and Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. Again, put yourself in Isaac's sandals. Did, Did dad surprise him? Well, how much? How much does he know? Uh-oh! I'm the offering. I mean, you can imagine the, your whole life flashing before your eyes in this recognition that, wait a minute, I'm the offering. I'm going to die. There's a scene later in the in the mini series where, uh, in Exodus, Moses is explaining the final plague to the people. Of Israel, and, and he says that death is coming for us all one way or another. You say, well, Chuck, I, I, do you have some good news for me today? Not until we understand the bad news. The recognition we're all going to die and we all need to be at peace with our God when we die. That we need to reconcile. We need the shedding of blood. We need the atonement of our sins. We need somebody that can be on that altar for us, every one of us is facing death. And just like Isaac did on the altar, it's not a question of if, it's when. There's one more way, though, that Isaac's story is our story. And that is this, that our salvation has been provided. Can you, can you imagine for just a minute Isaac raising that knife, preparing to plunge it into the heart of his precious young son? And about the time he comes down with all of his force, he hears the voice of God through an angel that says, no, Abraham, no. And that knife continues to go with that, the force behind it, and it lands into that pile of wood, and Isaac goes, huh? and realizes my life has been saved, and then out of the corner of their ear and their eye, here's what they see and they hear, bah, bah. And they see that spotless lamb awaiting. In the back of Isaac's mind, he must have heard these words that his daddy has said, God will provide. God will provide provide. Some of you are here today and your marriage is a shambles and your relationships are a disaster. Your job is ridiculous. You've lost your home and you've lost your possessions and you're addicted and you've got problems and you've got cancer in your life or maybe your parents recently died or there's something in your life that's got you strapped down and bound and addicted and you're just looking for something. And all we're looking for is in the corner of our ear to be able to hear this, (laughs) I love you. So don't miss this. If you're Isaac, and God the Father wants to pick you up and hold you like Abraham did his boy, that means there's got to be a spotless lamb to pay the price for your sin on that altar. And in the quietness and the stillness of a moment like this, we come to the peace and the recognition that Jesus is our lamb. Verse 11 says, At that moment the angel of the Lord called him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied, Here am I. Don't lay a hand on the boy. Then Abraham looked up and saw a a ram caught by its horns in a thicket, so he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering. Can you imagine the relief? Romans 6.23 says We can be certain of this because the wages of our sin is death. Now, to put that into context that we might grasp is this. Because we're all sinners, what we've earned and what we deserve is death apart from God. And yet Jesus came... And at the moment in which we were bound in our sin, and the moment we were bound in ourselves, in the moment we were bound in our addictions, at the moment when we were bound in awful relationships, and the moment we were bound in loneliness and depression, out of the corner there, Jesus came in the figure of a spotless lamb of God and said, I'll die for you so that God the Father could reach down and pick us up and draw us near to him and say, I love you, my son. I love you, my child. I love you, my little girl because the spotless lamb was provided and his name is Jesus. And no, he didn't just break his arm. His extravagant love caused us to place him because of our sin on that cross. And nails went into his hands and through his feet and a spear pierced his side and a crown of thorns was crushed down upon his head for the wages of sin is death. But in the 14th verse, Genesis 22, Abraham says, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. (laughs) I think that's what John the Baptist meant in John chapter 1, verse 29, when he said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. I can see Isaac as he drops to his knees in tearful gratitude for the salvation that God provided. You think maybe you could bow in gratitude today as well. This story, like all of the Bible, isn't just about Abraham and Isaac or any other men or women that we might learn about. It's about you. It's about me. It's about redemption story. It's about salvation and encouragement. It's about blessing and instruction. It's about correction and God's immeasurable love for us and how extravagant it is. Today, may God speak to you in his still and his quiet voice within your soul and may he say, I've provided for you. I can see Abraham as he pulled that knife up out of the wood slipped it in and cut the ropes off of that precious little boy now he reached down and he grabbed that boy and held him with all his might and said I've got you God has provided the question is will you allow God to provide for you will you accept Jesus as the spotless lamb who shed his blood and died for you on that cross that you might have life more abundant today and life eternally forever and you know what God loves you so much he lets you pick so today as we celebrate his extravagant love as Hector sings I'm going to ask you some of you need to come today and just come to this altar and say Lord because of your extravagant love I'm laying it all down I'm, I'm following you Some of you, for the first time in your life, need to say yes to Jesus. I'm accepting your sacrifice as payment for my sin. I want heaven and I want life more abundantly today. I want all you offered me. Some of you today have been visiting this church for weeks and months and maybe God said, here's where I need to be. And I'm going to ask you when we sing in a minute, we're all going to stand. I'm going to pray. Hector's going to sing. Maybe first note of the song you want to give your life to Christ and follow him as a Christian, we, want to, we wouldn't embarrass you for anything. But Bobby or one of our other guys, they'll just pray with you and share with you, here's what we do now. Maybe you want to join this church and say, come on, I want to join. This is where God wants me to be. You come on. Maybe you need to come to this altar and just pray. Whatever it is, allow his extravagant love to pour out on you today. Would you stand with me quietly and reverently? Heavenly Father, today, thank you that you provided our spotless lamb thank that you, you provided the lamb of god who takes away the sins of the world jesus lord today would we who need you all the time for those of us for the first time that need to say jesus i need you come into my life forgive me i'm tired of living for me i want to live for you and i accept your death on the cross and your raising from the dead as payment for my sin for those who need to join the church it would teach and preach and believe your Bible and honor your son and serve the world God call them to be a part of all that you're doing here for those who need to come pray, God give them the strength as we sing of your extravagant love that you might draw them unto yourself for you are God, you are worthy in the name of Jesus our Lord our spotless lamb amen your love is extravagant, oh, Lord, is extravagant. yeah it is it is. In your friendship. Is that not beautiful? Your friendship. It is intimate. That's what walking with God is. An intimate friendship with the one who created you. I feel I'm moving to the rhythm of your grace. Your fragrance thing. is intoxicating yeah, is. in our secret place. Yeah, it is. Your love it's is extravagant. extravagant. Extravagant enough to become your spotless lamb. So spread wide in the arms of Christ. It's a love that covers sin. Amen. No greater love. Have I ever known You consider me a friend To capture my heart again There really is no greater love If you're like me, don't don't you need to let those arms of love wrap around you this day? Don't you need to allow the presence of Jesus to overwhelm you? To let his extravagant love just pour over you. To recognize the goodness and the grace and the mercy of a God who looks at us and knows all of our faults, knows all of our problems, and yet says, I love you. Come here, I've got you, my son. I've got you, my child. I love you. His grace is extravagant. Spread wide your arms. Your love. Extravagant in your friendship, it's intimate. It is intimate. I feel I'm moving to the rhythm of your grace, your fragrance is intoxicating. Secret place, because your love is So, today, as you exit this place, the one who created you, the one who loves you, your spotless Lamb, should you choose, that Jesus will go before you he will make a way. He will make your crooked path straight and he he will provide a way for you because he loves you with extravagant love. And should you choose that, that Jesus, should you take on that spotless lamb, the one who shed his blood and gave his life, that you might have life and have it more abundantly, that Jesus, may he go within you and bring you peace, fulfillment, joy. May he bring you the certainty that he wraps you in the arms of love may you go knowing that that same spotless lamb, that Jesus he will pick you up and he'll carry you through your darkest, most difficult hours only to get you on the other side and plant you back on your feet and wipe away your tears and kiss you on the forehead and do that so you can return to worship him in spirit and truth over and over and over again and may you do all that And may you know he does all that for this one certainty, and that is that he loves you with an extravagant love. Our God loves you. May he richly bless you and keep you and return you to him to worship over and over again. God bless you. Go in peace.